the spirituality components if I'm seeing everyone as a representation of divinity, as like divinity decided to create each and every one of us and put a piece of that divine love, put a piece of that divine design, this grandness, this mysteriousness that divinity is, put a piece of that, like that's that core essence, like our soul, our spirit, like wove it into each of us. We're meant to kind of discover that goodness, that core self in each other and, and bring that out, you know, create those safe spaces. That's what I'm talking about. Like when you create the safety for someone to really drop all the layers and be themselves, like there's such beauty at core and they can actually feel safe enough to like pull off the layers and let that core essence. And I feel like that there is that divine essence where you get to see a piece of divinity in each and every person. Hey there, y'all. Welcome to Woo Woo Bible, the podcast where we ditch the dogma so we can connect to something greater than ourselves. My name is Dylan D. Money King. I'm a spiritual life coach, board-certified hypnotherapist, and lover of all things mystical, magical, and miraculous. Let's dive in. Hey there, y'all. I just want to pop in real quick and let you know that the sound quality on this episode is not the best, but the quality of the content is chef's kiss. So even though there's a little wobbly internet connection things going on here, I still want to encourage you to give it a listen because there are some true gold nuggets. This is still one of my favorite episodes and that's why I am sharing it with you today. Hey there, y'all. If you are new here, then hello. I'm so glad you're joining us. And if you've been here before, then Welcome back. I'm so happy to see you again. We are here with one of my favorite segments on the podcast, Conversations with Changemakers. You know those people, the ones who are wildly passionate about the work that they do. We are here to chat with them about their message and how spirituality shows up in their lives. I know that I say this every time, but I am I am wildly excited to bring on today's guest. She has taught me so much and I am I am just so grateful that the universe brought us into the same circle. Um, today, we are talking with Colleen Grace Kelly. Colleen is a certified sexuality, love and relationship coach, breathwork facilitator, yoga teacher and speaker. She loves to weave together coaching, counseling, and embodiment practices for deep, immersive experiences for transformation in your spirituality, your sexuality, and your relationship to yourself and others. Colleen views relationships through a more spiritual lens, exploring how to elevate them and make them a sacred space for our truest expression, deepest love, and enjoyment. She also looks at spirituality through a relationship lens desiring to make our relationship to the divine a living, breathing, and embodied relationship in our lives. So let's give a big, warm welcome to Colleen. Oh, thank you so much, Dylan, for, for that whole intro. I'm like, I mean, like, I've never had someone read it out and hear it. So I'm like, oh, wow, cool. That was just really sweet to receive. I'm excited to be here to share with your community. So thank you. Thank you. I love all the ways that the world just brings people together and we just get to share the things that we're passionate about right absolutely like um <laughs> I think out of all the people that um 
for for those of you listening, me and Colleen were introduced to each other through um, the Cosmic RX's Cosmic Fit Club. And I think probably for the year that I've been a part of it, like every single week I would go to my husband and be like, so this week Colleen was talking about this and <laughs> every single week I had something that I wanted to share with somebody about um, from one of her classes or something that she said, one little gold nugget. And so being able to then share that on my platform um, is just super, super exciting. I love that. It's like the, the ripple effect, right? Like, it's just like, we don't come in knowing how to do this. Modern relationships are so freaking complex. There's so much going on. And like most of us, a lot of us are like struggling through it and like, which makes sense. We're going to struggle, but like unnecessarily so in the sense that there is great resources out there. There are people to talk to. There's communities like not to do this alone, right? To have these conversations, whether it's listening to this podcast, whether the community we're part of, just talking more with your friends, reading a book. It's like, oh, I can help to just make sense of this. So it's like, I'm not crazy over here struggling alone. It's like, oh, relationships are hard. Like they're probably the most rewarding and like fulfilling part of life, but they're also can be such a struggle they can be super triggering they can be heartbreaking so it's just kind of learning how to navigate that and having people to like just support you along the way to like navigate them with a little bit more ease and grace is how I just like to say it yeah absolutely I think um we very much grow up with the idea that at some point we're gonna meet the right person that person is gonna fit into us like a like a little puzzle piece and then everything is going to be perfect and it's that's it it's so interesting when you start to peel back I was definitely one of those girls that grew up watching like all the romantic comedies all of the like teen soaps and I loved them they were and they really they really did create the filter which where I saw relationships and I look back and I'll even like rewatch things sometimes and I'm like oh my gosh like these messaging and it makes it seem like finding the one, right? Finding someone, finding a partner is the hard part, right? Like that's the continuous story. You see that it's finding them, right? I go through all these hard dates and, you know, you watch any of these shows or movies, it's like, that's the real struggle. But then once you find them, cool. Like that's where it cuts and like goes to the credits. And you're like, wait a second. Yes, sometimes finding a good match can be difficult. Of course, there can be such a struggle with that. I'm not saying that there isn't. But then comes like, a whole new level of work because I was definitely operating under that like oh it's it's finding someone that's hard right like all these relationships that aren't the quite right fit but once I find him and then you know I'm my partner now we're about to celebrate four years together and it's you know the real work it was not hard to find him like looking back I'm like no the real work came like once we came together and all of our inner children and attachment styles and shadow selves and wounds and fears and desires came to play and you're like oh this, no, this is the work. Okay. Yeah. Like finding you was a piece of cake at this point. Yeah. It makes the whole, the whole dating process look like so simple. You're like, oh, well that was right. <laughs> and not to diminish anyone who's struggling in the dating scene right now. Cause I know that's tough, especially with like modern age and like all the different apps and all the things, but I'm like, I keep telling my friends, listening, I'm like, like, this is work for sure. But like, you know, don't be looking for someone who is just like, perfect 10 out of 10 like that you think there's never going to be a problem with because there is no perfect person that's going to be this 10 out of 10 that you never have problems with like that's not realistic at all and that's not even really 
really, that's not that enjoyable. I, I have totally shifted my mindset around conflict, um, you know, wounds coming up, kind of the difficult things of like this, we get to do this. This is wild that you are the love of my life, my partner, but also like one of my greatest teachers and healers. Like there's things that like, I just can't access by myself. Like there's wounds and there's inner child stuff that like, I would never heal if it wasn't the presence of my partner where instead of shying away from that stuff, we get to see it as like, it, it bonds us even deeper. And it's like, what an experience that you have come into my life, not only to love me and to enjoy each other and to have fun, but also to like really do some deep healing that other people can go their whole lives just not healing these things that we're carrying from generation to generation. I think we're waking up now to like, oh, relationships are this really conscious space that can be its own kind of like therapy and healing when we open up to it. And it doesn't mean that those times aren't like difficult and you're not just like gritting your teeth through them at times. But when I can take a step back and see how much growth and healing and just safety that has been created through conflict, through hard times and through my inner child being super triggered and through all these like insecurity wounds coming up. And I'm just continuing to hold them like myself, hold them, create enough safety within myself to hold them. And then to work really hard to create the safety in our space to hold that, to just be like, everything's welcome. And like every part of ourselves gets to be here. And that to me is like telling you, you know, earlier, like that's that sacred work where all of us gets to be here, where you get to be your most authentic self and nothing is going to be shunned. Nothing's going to be shamed. Nothing's going to not belong. Nothing's going to have to like squash itself back down or, you know, put some fake layer on top of. It's like that is beautiful like that is really sacred work to create that space and this can be in all sorts of relationships right we can do this with friends we can do this with parent children relationships you know sometimes our partners can be not for everyone they can be the closest person to us so it's really beautiful to do it in those romantic partnerships but i think it does trickle out then it shows me how to do this more and more in other relationships what do you think um and I know this is a, like a super complex question, but as we're going through going through our lives and kind of building up these these more, um, I guess, inauthentic versions of ourselves, and then being able to find these kind of sacred spaces, um, what is it that drives us to create these? these kind of detachments where we're, we're wanting to create that, that separation, that barrier, um, where we don't have to be fully ourselves and see all of those, those dark part, those quote unquote dark parts. Right. I mean, I think at the, at the core of a lot of that is this the drive is that drive for protection to keep ourselves safe. You know, we understand we have a primal brain that was conditioned in, and we still carry parts of our primal self that, you know, centuries ago when we were really tribalistic societies, you needed to belong in your tribe. You needed to follow suit. You needed to be socially acceptable or you could be shunned and pushed out of the tribe. And then you're in the wilderness. You are, you know, could be eaten by animals, you're out in the weather, you know, starve. Like 
there is still deep within us this vigilance for social acceptability. That what am I doing? Is it going to be accepted? Am I going to not belong? Am I going to be safe? To so we can kind of parts of ourselves that we aren't sure of, or parts of ourselves that maybe got kind of shunned when we were little. A lot of times, emotions like oh, you know, anger wasn't okay to show. My sadness wasn't okay to show. My you know, my sexuality wasn't okay to embrace. Like there's parts of ourselves that. Like, that's not okay. It's not okay. We get messages, whether it's from parents on the playground, early relationships, friendships. So we kind of just object do it's not. Yeah, it's it's yes, it's a shunning of certain parts of ourselves, but it's also like we're very good at assessing like what will make us acceptable. So we're good. We're adaptive creatures. We look around what is socially acceptable. So it's this I'm just going to put on these layers because that'll keep me safe. That'll keep me in this space of acceptance and belonging. And that's it's a beautiful intention that we don't have to shame that part of ourselves. We don't have to double down on the shame. It's like, we're just trying to keep ourselves safe, keep ourselves in belonging, in connection. Um, and we often get rewarded for that. Like we see that like, oh, okay. When I, you know, when I just put on a good face, like people want to be around me, right? Like when I don't talk about all the things I'm struggling with, I'm a fun time. So, okay, I'm going to keep doing that. And I think it's, it's just kind of our survival mechanism that has built up over time of like, this is how I get love, attention, extensive belonging. And we're just not sure about those other parts. Like, what if I tell the truth here? What if I say how scared I am or how angry I am? Or what if I tell this truth that feels so like it's not going to be accepted? It's kind of, it's scary. That's really scary. And that kind of safety, I think it just comes over time of like, you know, you have one of those moments where you just open up a little and it's held with like compassion and empathy. And you're like, oh, whoa, whoa, that part of me was just held. And then it's like, oh, okay, little by little, right? Like it's not, it's not easy to just create like this, you know, this safety out of nowhere or to just go like, okay, just show all of parts of yourself on the first stage. Just let them know all your traumas, tell them all about like everything. Just put it out there, right? We're being our full authentic self. It's like, but that's overwhelming. That's actually not very like, protective of ourselves it's okay little by little like feeling is this a safe space is this kind of safe like can I trust this person enough to like and then oh okay it was reciprocated the safety like little by little more of us you know can come online so it's I find a very like gradual process that returning to to authenticity to sometimes we don't even know right like we don't even know what is under those layers because it's been so hidden so when we keep hearing like you know be your authentic self a lot of people are like i don't even what does that mean like what is my authentic self it's when we come into space with deep safety and acceptance that even we can start to peel back those layers and even uh, we understand more of our authentic self i don't think it's like people are actively like i know i have this real deep truth self but i'm purposely hiding it i'm purposely putting on this mask it's like it just kind of develops as we all are looking for love, safety, and belonging. We all deserve that. Um, and sometimes we just have tactics of getting it that serve us in the moment. But when we kind of take a step back, realize maybe this isn't serving me in the long run. Maybe there's another way that I can actually get that safety and love and belonging, but be more of my true self along the way also. When I'm hearing you talk about, you know, things that tactics that people use to kind of get that safety and sense of belonging, the things that always come to mind for me, and I, you know, there are a plethora, I'm sure, but the things that always come up for me um, are things like people pleasing and um, uh, codependency, those types of um, trying to uh, 
make yourself smaller um, to kind of adapt and fit um, into certain boxes. Um, when you transition out of those, what are some of the ways that you build and find relationships and connect with people that are uh, in a more authentic manner, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, so it can look at a variety of ways, but I think sometimes it comes down to that attitude of, am I doing these things to get a certain reaction, right? To, to get this approval, to kind of manage the situation. We see that like that people pleasing is a way to control. It's a way to manage the situation for, again, valid reasons. Like maybe your household felt very out of control growing up and you learned to please and keep, you know, kind of like manage people's emotions. Um, we also see that people pleasing is very tied to like the fourth um, trauma response, stress response, fawn, which is a more socially adapted one. It's not like the, the primal ones or fight, flight, freeze, but evolutionary fawn has developed in this way of like, I want to keep the peace. And if you did grow up in a really hostile environment or you've had abusive, toxic relationships, like you can be very thankful for that mechanism coming on because it kept you safe. It kept things, you know, at a level that felt manageable, that felt like, okay, okay, like I, this is okay for me right now. But as you're moving out of it, and if you are not in an environment that isn't, you know, if you're in an environment that is, you is safe, that is generally safe, you know, like that there is no actual, you know, emotional, physical harm, you can start to see like, am I saying these things to kind of get a certain reaction to, to kind of control the situation? Or am I just showing up? I'm just speaking and not so concerned with like what the other person, how the other person is going to respond. Well, yes, always being like, you can always be conscientious and, you know, considerate of others. It's not a, this is not like a, a hall pass to go and be a jerk and like, just, you know, be so rude to other people. I'm like, well, I'm just speaking my truth. I'm just being authentic. And it's like, actually, like, I don't think your most authentic self is an inconsiderate jerk. I mean, maybe on our, you know, on our certain days it is, but overall, like, I think when we get down to our core self, it's like, no, yes, we know how to like stand up for ourselves, maybe share something that isn't might not be like, wow, you might not really want to hear that. You might not agree with this, but it's okay. We can move through. Like, we're not trying to manage someone else's emotions. Like, I'm going to say this and like, it might actually upset you or you might not agree with this, but we can move through that together, right? Like, it's very empowering when we allow other people also to have their emotions. Like, people are allowed to get angry. They're allowed to disagree. They're allowed to be upset. And we don't need to always kind of speak in a way or do things that never provoke those emotions. So I think it's kind of about letting go of a level of trying to control and micromanage situations and just be like, if I'm showing up a line, like if this is really what I want to say or what I want to do, then what will come from it is going to be aligned as well. Instead of like, ooh, okay, like if I say this, maybe then this will, like, you're kind of trying to like, you know, you have a little like cup string. And instead I think you're moving into like, just showing up more in the moment and what's coming through, what's authentic, trusting that doesn't mean you're not going to get into some uncomfortable conversations or stick your situations or have to set a boundary that feels a little like, oof, that felt a little awkward. But you know that it's coming from a place of like, this is in alignment with me. This is what feels good. I'm not trying to control the situation, I'm just trying to honor myself. Um, so I think it just kind of is like this attitude shift of just showing up with a little bit more like trust and like a little bit letting go and. And just, yeah, like just coming from that place of alignment versus 
constantly kind of worrying, how will my actions be perceived or will this be judged? Will this be okay? It's like, no, this is okay with me. So let's let this play out. When people are connecting to each other, you know, that obviously goes back to, you already mentioned it, the, the very primal need to be in tribes, to, to survive. Um, how does that for you connect to a, a spiritual need as well? Yeah. So I guess humans, we are definitely hardwired for connection. Like we're here to, in my sense and in my belief, it's like, we're here to give love and to receive love. Like my belief, we were created from love. Like we're just, that is our essence. Like why create, why, why do humans exist? In my spiritual belief, because the creator of all of the universe, of everything, there was, it's an outpouring of love. You know, I believe we were created in the image of the divine. So it's like, this is, we are a piece of divinity coming to earth to have this human experience. And part of that, like part of that core within us is to really connect back to each other, to love each other well, to, to take care of each other, to enjoy each other, really, like to have great joy, right? I mean, relationships are some of the most like just fulfilling. Like when I look back, it's like what has made my life the way it is? It's like at the heart of it, there's certain experiences, but there's there's humans there. There's always, you know, like, yes, I can think of some times where it's just maybe me that have been really beautiful experiences. But for the most part, the best moments of my life, they include other people and relationships and sharing this life. And I think that the spirituality component is if I'm seeing everyone as a representation of divinity as like divinity decided to create each and every one of us and put a piece of that divine love, put a piece of that d- divine design, this the grandness, this mysteriousness that divinity is, put a piece of that, like that's that core essence, like our soul or spirit, like wove it into each of us. We're meant to kind of discover that goodness, that core self in each other and and bring that out, you know, create those safe spaces. That's what I'm talking about. Like when you create the safety for someone to really drop all the layers and be themselves, like there's such beauty at that core and they can actually feel safe enough to like pull off the layers and let that core essence. And I feel like that there is that divine essence where you get to see a piece of divinity in each and every person. So we get to both kind of see that in each other, support each other in that coming forward and then enjoy that in each other. And also in ourselves, have ourselves like feel like when we are being so like in our truest essence and being so loving and in a really like, you know, not in kind of unconditional love where we're letting things slide again, not like this people pleasing, loving, or this like, I'm letting my boundaries be pranced, like trampled loving, like a real deep love. Like we get to feel our divine essence of like, whoa, my capacity to love and to show up this way is it's of the divine like it's so it's it, yeah it's almost like higher than myself so that's kind of how I see that that spirituality really being woven into again all of our relationships I feel like like I the, my beliefs and what I've been really called to in my own like spiritual practice and meditation is like love each other be kind and just really learn to love while you're here on earth because that's in my belief what we were created to do um, and there's a lot of reasons why we, it's hard for us. There's a lot of distractions along the way. And I think that's all part of it. And that gets to be part of it, but 
keep coming back to that, that really that mission of, of loving each other is, is very important in my spiritual practices. It reminds me of, um, there's a section in um, A Course in Miracles, which is one of my favorite things to reference, um, where it's talking about how humans will always have a really hard time understanding how much the divine or God or source truly loves us, um, how we can't, can't really fully comprehend that. But if we can start to understand our relationship and love between each other, it's kind of like a, like a little, like a little preview of the full movie, just a little sliver of understanding. My mom would always say of like, you know, as, as I would get older and she'd, you know, be not worried about me, but as a, you know, going through college or going through heartbreaks and traveling the world and backpacking. And she was like, she was like, what the thing that would always come for me is like, she's protected. Like God loves her even more than I do, which is like, and I couldn't, I can't fathom that. She was something that like, I both, yeah. Like she's like, it's something that I cannot fathom that anyone could love you more than I do. But yet I know that God loves you more than I do, which is wild to me. But she's like, and that's why I know that you're safe. You're protected. Like you are so loved. And I think about that sometimes because I, my mom is a very just like loving, unconditional mother. I'm like, oh, God loves me more than that. Like, how is that even possible? And, and divine love is one of those things where I have moments of it, right? I think sometimes we can get into that like unworthiness of like, you're not worthy of this love or we can kind of just the way that we can push away love in human relationships, you know, whether we, we don't want to get hurt. We don't want to get betrayed. We can't trust. We've been hurt in the past. Maybe we feel unworthy. So we keep love at arm's length. A lot of times we do that in the spiritual sense too. We do not believe that God, divine source creator is, is as loving as that beautiful, massive entity really is. So we don't allow it in where we find ways of, you know, blocking that love. And when I, when I really touched it in certain kind of like practices that I have, like, it is like, bring you to your knees, like bawling, heart cracked, open love where you're like, holy shoot, like this is, I, I can't even handle this much love, like upper limits, but it's really, it's really beautiful. And I think the practice is continuing to remember that love because it's, you know, you have moments of remembering and then you, know, you go through your day or something happens and you're like, oh, everything's going wrong or I'm so stressed or, and it's kind of contorting like that, turning back to that love that really is so steadfast, and always there. Um, yeah. I think you're exactly, exactly right that a lot of people, I, I would venture to say all people feel <laughs> go through at least some point in their life where they do not feel worthy of love in some capacity. Um, and even people who have been on spiritual paths for a long time waver and question. They're like, well, maybe not today. Maybe I don't deserve this today. I didn't, I don't know. I, today, I don't deserve this. And it's just, it's so, we're really, that's when we kind of see divinity through the human lens, right? And we're kind of making divine love, human love, which is flawed, infallible. And we are, yes, capable of unconditional love, but not 100% of the time for 100% of people. Like we are not, we can have glimpses of that divine love. We can absolutely 
um, right, like that little preview of it, but we do not have that capacity. When we put divinity through a human lens of like, well, I, you know, I did this bad day or whatever, I'm in a season of my life where I just feel so unworthy. Where yes, maybe a person would be like, wow, like you're just not a trip right now. Like divine love is like, I don't care. Like you are of me. I created you and like, that's it. Like the love, there is no conditions. There just are zero. That's unconditional. Like there are no conditions. Like you guys are making your way through unconditional love. Like that's part of your journey. Divine is like, oh, I unconditional. And that's something the the quality of of grace has really been something that's been a big part of my journey over the last, I don't know how many years now. But it's helped me like understand the divine love too of like you know, I was reading a definition of grace and it's, it's unearned. Like grace is unearned. Like you do not earn it. You do not divine grace. Like it's not something that like you get grace because you are worthy of it. It is, you specifically are unworthy of this gift. Like you really are unworthy of it and you still get it. You still get grace because that's how good divine is. Like, I don't care. Like you really actually are like, not even like you have to question, like, am I worthy of grace? It's like, no, I'm going to let you know. You're unworthy of it. You are. But like, you get it anyway, because that's how loved you are. Like, so in a sense, you are worthy of it. You know what I mean? It's like, you make a full circle of like, you're so unworthy of it. You're actually worthy of it. Like, and I remember just like, there was a moment in my life where I really was making some decisions that were not, were, were unaligned and were really fear-based and were really, really unaligned with my core. And I just felt so like I am so unworthy and I have just, I have just severed this relationship with divinity and I have just really cut myself off from this divine love and grace. And there was just a few powerful moments of just feeling that divine love and grace poured through my body where I was like, just so humbled, so taken aback by how giving divine love is and how giving divine grace is and how it holds nothing, nothing against us. I mean, I'm already getting emotional thinking about it because I was like, it just, it made me so yeah, like so humbled and grateful of like, oh, yeah, like I don't have to earn this. I'm like, I'm obviously going to have good days and bad days. I'm going to go through seasons and waves of life. And yes, for myself, I'm always trying to do you know, the best I can, the best way I know in any given moment. But just and then it's really like I'm just giving myself grace because there is that's the way to live. That's the way I think divinity wants us to live. Like, yeah, do your best. Good. You know, be good to each other, be good to yourself. But like, yeah, like life has got a lot of twists and turns and ups and downs. And like, you don't need to be hard on yourself. Like there's always grace for you. So that kind of is another quality that really helped me understand that divine love. I want to circle back to where you were talking about, um, unconditional love and I think um you know as children we kind of have this perception of our parents as you know perfect and they can do no wrong and I there's definitely this this narrative of you know mothers should always love their children, which I'm very happy to see like some of the, the things being broken down now of like, Hey, it's okay. If you, if you have postpartum depression and you don't attach to your child immediately, as soon as they're born, like, it's okay. Like these things are normal. It's all right. Um, but that 
that kind of um, completely unconditional love on that same level of the divine love that we were just talking about, kind of putting that expectation on people, whether that's your parents or then as you get older, your, your partner, what kind of stress do you think that creates not only for you, but for the people that you are uh, encountering? Yeah, definitely. And I think it's like, there is such this, yeah, we grow up wanting unconditional love. And my, here, my belief is like, okay, if we came from unconditional love, it's there, it's deep within us. We want it. Like we want it. And of course, the first relationship that we have is our parents and we want unconditional love. And, and parents are, as we get older, we realize just humans doing the best they can. And they're often, you know, carrying their own wounds from their own childhood or their own stuff. It's like, yeah, they've got a lot going on and they're, everyone's just doing the best they can with what they got in any given moment. And sometimes, yes, some parents are going to be able to have, have a little bit easier time with that because maybe they're not healing some generational trauma. Other parents are going to have a more difficult time because of their child. It's all, you know, everyone's doing, we're working within what we have. So I think, you know, we don't necessarily that full unconditional love. We don't feel, even if we had loving parents, you know, there might be parts where it's like, oh, but I felt really ashamed when I was dying, you know, or something like that. You know, there's little things. It's like, oh, but, you know, I got grounded at one time or like, oh, they were mad at me then where it's like something breaks that veil of unconditional love, right? Whether it's big or little, um, we're seeking it in partners. We're like, we want someone who's going to unconditionally love us. And my teacher, uh, one of my main teachers, Layla Martin, she was, you know, we went through the whole training of like, relationship work and she was like you know you don't want unconditionally loving partner like if I am abusive or awful to you like you shouldn't love me unconditionally right like it's not healthy for us to demand that from someone like there actually should be conditions on the love of like not allowing like poor behavior or like toxic behavior I mean of course we'll have our moments but like repeatedly like not treating someone right I shouldn't love that person unconditionally there should be conditions of like actually no that's not acceptable um, and just we have our own limitations as humans. And I think you know, putting that pressure on each other is, it's a lot. And I think it comes down to like, how can we find that from in? How can we unconditionally love ourselves? Because I do find that that's a really beautiful path to be on where it's going to have its own struggles, you know, like with days where we're just being hard on ourselves and we're not happy with whatever the judgments, the inner critic is allowed. But I do think pursuing a, a journey of unconditional love yourself is worthwhile and finding it from a higher source, whether it's just whatever kind of spiritual belief system you have, like where can you feel that there is a higher power of love? And even it's just like, just see the collective higher love, whatever that is. Um, but then it's like, okay, I'm satiating it with myself. I'm satiating it with a higher power. And then yes, being as loving as we can with each other, but not expecting this like unconditional love from someone else where, person is just they're also just going through life trying to do the best they can it's like how can we create more compassion and empathy and understanding and acceptance for each other but realize that like we are humans our love is fallible like we're not going to show up perfect all the time and we're not we can't expect that from each other all the time what would you say to um somebody who wants to start to shift into kind of this mode of 
operating in their rela- relationships, romantic or otherwise? Yeah, so I'll recommend like one book that I feel like was kind of set me on this path and I know I recommended you before in the community is called Conscious Loving and it's by Bay and Kathleen Hendricks. And I feel that it does a really good job at like, it's moving from either codependency or these toxic entanglements to more conscious loving. There's certain commitments of like, and you know, do I follow this 100% to a T all the time? Absolutely not. No. Do I get some very valuable wisdom from this? Yes. Do I use this as a framework? Yes. There's some beautiful, and it just opens up your eyes to all the things you might not even have realized that are kind of more unconscious or just like, oh, wow, yeah, I can see how that kind of keeps us in a, in a, in a loop of like drama or just not really thriving or how we, they talk about a lot of like, all these like conflicts that we don't kind of work through, like it just, or these dynamics, it just drains us of our energy, right? Like relationships can either be a massive drain our energy because like there's trauma, there's conflict, I'm not feeling good, I feel unworthy, I'm kind of spiraling through stress or fear, whatever it is, I'm walking on eggshells, I'm constantly people pleasing, micromanaging, like all of that takes a lot of energy. Or they can be this space of really like, wow, it's giving me more energy. It's giving me more life because it's two energies coming together again, whether this is a business relationship, a friendship, parent-child dynamic, a romantic relationship. Wow, there's two energies here, two humans with so much life force. And we can, if we can support each other, we can love each other. We can bounce creative ideas off of each other. We can have really conversations. It's like, whoa, this is energizing. Like, I know I'm going to get off this call and I'm going to feel like a boost of energy because like, ah, relationships relating can really energize us when there's that consciousness. So that book, I would say, gives like a really great, just like 101 intro into it um, and kind of helps you start to see things where you can pick pieces of it, where it's like, don't try to implement the whole book at once. Like find one or two things that like, ah, you know what, this is a shift I could make. And and then start to see, like start to see when that implements, like what happens. The biggest shift I think I made in the beginning of that book was speaking more transparently. Really, like if I'm feeling something and it feels like it really wants to be shared, like, oh, that kind of hurt my feelings or I'm kind of scared right now or whatever it is, or I'm really excited, share it. Like speak more, speak those truths out loud and let them like come to the surface because if you're holding in resentments or fears or needs not being met, you know, resentment's building and it's just taking so much energy. Or one of my big patterns was holding in things that I was really excited about, you know, maybe things I was working on with like my work, but I just want to keep all of it so safe and never talk about it and realizing that like, who the closest in my life? And now I'm like finally starting to open up more like with my partner too of like actually sharing these things. And it's like, whoa, like so much energy comes from like putting this to the surface and letting it be the held and, and, and come to life so even like those more tender things whether it's appreciation and excitement like speaking speaking those things up having creating that kind of space where it's like we're not keeping things in do I can share every thought that goes through my head definitely not like no one wants that but like I'm not actively like being like oh I want to say this thing but I'm not going to it's like if I want to say it I'm going to say it right like I'm not keeping things in because that keeping and bring in it just washes our energy and it just creates such a disconnect and distance with the people around us so that one was a big one for me that's in that book of like really learning to speak up those smaller truths in the moment give them space and that creates just deeper connection deeper uh, more energy 
I love how you, um, and you've kind of touched on it several times throughout our talk that there's no rush to change everything all at once because you're so right. Like as when you start working on, when you start doing any kind of self-work, whether that's focusing on spirituality or your anything that where you're taking time to look at and examine yourself, it can be so overwhelming. It's, it's so overwhelming and it's so easy to be like, well, I'm right here and I want to be way over here, but it, it just takes time and you get there bit by bit. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Like any realm of like any kind of development, spiritual, personal relationship, all of a sudden it starts becoming like this, like checklist items or I have to do all these things. Okay. I got to the inner child healing. I got to do the shadow work and I got to do this. And I got, it's like, oh, I got to work on my upper limits and I got to look, you know, set boundaries and be more authentic. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Slow down. First of all, like you're never gonna be able to sustain any of that. And that's just, that's kind of the culture we live in. We live in that kind of productivity. Let's like get things done. And it's just not the energy meant for any of this because these are lifelong changes and these are deeply ingrained patterns and fears and you will overwhelm your system if you go that fast. We have a window of tolerance and when we kind of do that approach, we spike out of it and then we'll shut down. Just be like, no, 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 not doing any of it. And then it's like, wait, like that's the right approach. The right approach is just like, give yourself that space. Give yourself the grace. Like, let's just take this like, one, let me just work on one thing right now. Um, and just also learning how to enjoy it along the way, right? Like this is stuff being, like I said, you know, like it can feel difficult and it is like, can really be trying and bring up a lot, but it can, there can be an enjoyment in it as well. There can be a sense of like, ah, we get to do this. Like my parents, my grandparents, my great grandparents, like it's never, this is work that we're going to do like they were just so more in a in much more survival mode when I think of like my grandmother and my great-grandmother I'm like what like there was no space for this kind of work in their lives so it's like we get to do this this is we're healing our own traumas generational trauma and to let us like to give ourselves a lot of like celebration and um acknowledgement of that and then just slow down slow down the process like there is really, truly no end destination. You're never going to not be doing work in some degree. Like it's always going to change. You're going to be on different like stages. You're kind of moving up that viral, but there is no point of like, well, okay, now I'm the perfect human. And it's like, nope, like that's not, that's at least for my, like there is no, that's not a goal in this lifetime. Like that's for whatever the next life, like it's not in this life where I'm like, and now I'm done. Like, I'm just this shining ball of light. Like, no, it's like, no, there's always going to be something. This is my least favorite, like, trope is people who pretend that they are so enlightened and they'll be like, no, I never have a negative thought ever. I've done, so, they're like, I've done so much shadow work. Now I never have any shadows. And I'm like, you're telling me you never, nobody ever says anything that upsets you. No, I've worked out, I've worked out all of my stuff and now I never get offended. And I'm like, oh, oh, sure. Okay. Yeah, that happens. Right. You're like completely like, I don't know, maybe you are some enlightened, you know, like master right now. It's like fine. But like, for me, I'm like, that's not my path. That's not my path. That's not what I want. Like to me, like, honestly that sounds boring like really I'm like when you can learn to just enjoy this work and like laugh at yourself along the way like humor is so 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 important in like my own life and all the work I do because if we can't just step 
laugh at ourselves from time to time or like laugh at like this cosmic joke that is life like man we're just missing out on some of the joy of it so it's like walking around like some perfect you know human I'm like that sounds so boring I feel like no one would be able to relate to me like as we're talking about now I'm like no one would be able to relate to me I'd have no fun like it would just be like what there'd be no purpose like that's not for this life like this life is for the messy it's for the like the push and pull, the cycles, the ups and downs, the ebbs and flows, like that, the seasons, like that is what this life is about. You see it echoed in nature. You see it all like we're meant to have those kind of ebbs and flows. We're not meant to be like static in this like perfect state ever. Like that's, that's for something else. I don't know what life, like, I don't know what dimension or like life that's for, but it's not for this one. Like it's not for earth. Maybe there's a few of us scattered around the world that are holding down that energy just to like, I don't know keep something in balance but I'm like I look at them like either you're full of it or you are just like a different being that is like blessed you but like that's not my path <laughs> if those beings are here I don't think they're hanging out on Facebook that's just my guess you're still on Facebook you're not an enlightened being. I, someone just said that to me the other day you're still on Facebook you're not an enlightened being it's like just in general like if you're like not like bashing Facebook but you can but like it just was like, yeah, like you still, like, if you're so, so, so like, like you tapped out of that whole like internet matrix, like you are in some other level. Like you're just like out in the cave in the wilderness. Like then I'm like, yeah, maybe you are really super enlightened. If you just spend your days meditating out on a mountaintop, like you might have reached perfect enlightenment. But if you are weaving through this very imperfect, chaotic, messy world, you are, you know, you're going through your own ebbs and flows with it. Like, and that's fine. That's what it's supposed to be. Absolutely. I have had so much fun talking to you about all this stuff. Um, I want to, um, I want to be able to let everybody listening know how they can connect with you. Where, where can they find you? Yes. So find me over at Instagram at, at callkel, so C-O-L-L-K-E-L-L. Um, it's been my Instagram handle since like when Instagram first came out. I refuse to change it to anything more professional. <laughs> um, so at callkel. And, or you can visit my website, colleengracekelly.com. I've got free, I've done like, you know, there's free workshops and trainings up there. I do a weekly breath work every Sunday. Like all that you can find like on my Instagram, on my Facebook, I do a free weekly breath work on Sunday. It's like a spiritual breath work. Um, I do it live, but you can also get replays if you sign up. And I'm also starting next month, a twice a month kind of sensual sanctuary for more embodiment, sexuality, sensuality practices that will kind of be a similar flow of like, come live if you want to get the replay, if you can't join live. Um, but yeah, and I'm always, always doing like different workshops and things to kind of go a little deeper. Um, and then I have group programs you could always join and I do private sessions. So there's a lot of like levels of ways to, to work with me, but you can find that at Instagram or my website. She does have a lot of stuff always, always going on. Lots of ways to um, check out her work. Um, her breath work is always super fun. Um, so I definitely, definitely recommend that you guys check out that stuff. I'm going to drop all of the links, um, in the show notes. Um, but other than that, that's everything that we have for you guys today. Um, I am so happy that you guys tuned in. I'm so grateful to Colleen for being here. Um, 
I hope that you guys have a beautiful day. I hope you have a wonderful week. Um, and if you're enjoying this podcast, um, like, subscribe, rate, do all the things, share it with your friends, share it with your enemies, turn them into better people. Um, and until next time, stay mystical, note the magical, and embrace the miracles. Bye.